is a podcast from Delancey Healing Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 in the Delancey Healing Church building at Le Bank St. Sampson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. To contact us or to find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyhealing.co.uk. Praise God. I want to ask you a question this morning. It's the title of my sermon today. What do you see? What do you see? Right. I want you to do something for me. I want you to close your eyes. Sorry, I'm not going to do anything. Don't worry. You can trust me. Right. I want you to think of something when you close your eyes. I want you to think of a dog. Think of a dog. Okay, open your eyes. Sally, what was your dog like? Forgotten already. A King Charles Spaniel. A King Charles Spaniel, okay. Ollie, what was your dog like? Um, An Alsatian. Alsatian, okay. Jerry, what was your dog like? Border Collie. A Border Collie. So... I'm sure if I went round every one of you today, most of you would probably come up with a different kind of dog. And I'm glad my illustration worked. (laughs) That you all didn't see the same dog. But my, 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 my illustration there is to say that we all see things differently. Okay? We, um, I asked you to think of a dog, and you would probably think of a dog, maybe your favorite dog. Uh, a, a, a nice memory of a, of a dog in your life. Maybe you didn't have a dog, but maybe a relative had a dog. But we all think of different dogs. We all, th- we all see things differently. And uh, I forgot, I was going to put some images up, but I forgot all about that, so we'll leave that now. We'll leave that. I, got, I had some images that I was going to put up, but I completely forgot about putting it on the computer. Um, some different images. I think we've seen them before. I think Nicole showed them once of um, different, of, of, a, of a woman, what do you see? And, you know, the whole point of my sermon today is to ask you the question, what do you see? What do you see? Now, the passage that has been read this morning in John chapter 20, um, there are many accounts of seeing things in John chapter 20. I'm not going to read it again, but I will just highlight the verses And if you've got your Bibles, you might see them with me. Verse 1 says, Mary saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Verse 5, it says, Peter looked in at the strips of linen lying there. Verse 6 says, we read that Peter saw the strips of linen lying there. Verse 8 says that John saw and believed. Verse 12, Mary saw two angels in white. Verse 14, we read that she saw, that's Mary, saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Verse 18, she tells the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Verse 20, the disciples saw the Lord. Verse 25, the disciples tell Thomas, we have seen the Lord. Verse 25, Thomas says, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Verse 27, Jesus says, see 
my hands. And verse 29, Jesus says, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see on this, um, the greatest day in history as we have sung today, when Jesus rose from the dead? What do you see? Do you see the new life that we have because of Jesus conquering death? What do you see? What do you see? It says in verse 8 that John saw and believed. What did John see? He saw the risen Christ and he believed it was Jesus. He saw and he believed. Let's just imagine being there at that time. Imagine you are John and you're experiencing what he saw. We just read the passage and um, the passage was read this morning in chapter 20 of, of John. And we think, oh yes, that's Jesus. That's Jesus who, who John saw. But what, have, what would it have been like if we were there? We would have gone through the whole experience of Jesus being tried, being flogged, being mocked, being crucified, seeing him die on the cross and his body put into a tomb and the stone rolled over that tomb. And maybe after that happened, the disciples were wandering around, disillusioned, uh, lost with no hope and no joy. Yet John sees Jesus alive. He saw and believed. We do not have the benefit of John and the disciples. We cannot see Jesus in the flesh. And so we have to believe by faith. What do you see? What do you see? It says that the disciples saw the Lord. They saw the Lord. In fact, more than just the disciples saw the Lord. More than just the disciples saw Jesus resurrected. The Bible tells us of a number of different accounts of Jesus being seen after the crucifixion. In Mark 16, verses 9 to 11, we read, read about what we've read in John, where Mary Magdalene saw Jesus. Uh, Luke 24, verse 34, Peter uh, is in Jerusalem and he sees Jesus. Jesus' brother James in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 7. Let's, just, let's see what it says there. He sees Jesus. It says, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Some of the New Testament authors um, explicitly claimed to be eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection and transfiguration. Peter said, we do not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That's 2 Peter 2 verse 16. John also said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. That's in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 3. Matthew 28, verse 
is 8 to 10, talks about the other women at the tomb. Let's just read that. Matthew 28 and verses 8 to 10. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them, greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The two travellers on the road in, in Mark chapter 16 also saw Jesus resurrected in verses 12 and 13. It says, afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Whilst the seven disciples were fishing in John chapter 21, um, Jesus appeared to them. And then, of course, the transfiguration in in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. The disciples saw Jesus. Not only the disciples, not only the women, but also a crowd of 500, most of whom are still alive at the time of Paul's writing, that is, um, saw Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6. It tells us this. It says, After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then finally, least of all, Paul, the outsider, the sceptic, with others present, as though he was not living in the proper time, Paul witnesses Jesus Christ. Why do I labour this point this morning? Because they saw the Lord. There is no doubting what they saw. They saw Jesus die and rise again. What do you see? What do you see? In verse 27 of, of John chapter, if we go back to John chapter 20, verse 27, Jesus says this. He says this to Thomas. Then he said, to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. See my hands. What a powerful statement that is. See my hands. Christ's hands signify the sacrifice that he had made for every one of us. And they were not just normal hands. He still had the nail-pierced wounds, the scars of the crucifixion in his hands. See my hands. It's important to note that it was Christ's intention for the disciples to see his hands, see his feet, see his side. We are told here in, in this chapter that Jesus appears in the room, an unlocked room. And so from this we can see that Jesus' body, his resurrected body, is different to the one that he had previously. Yet he chooses to have the wounds of his death 
as part of his body. He could have quite easily, in, in having a new body, have removed those scars. He could have, made, he could have had new hands, a new side, and, and new feet. Yet, his wounds were still visible. He could have had perfect feet, perfect hands, a perfect side. But he chose to keep the scars. As a sign to all that truly he was the same person that had been living among them. We can see from the accounts that there was some doubt whether he was Jesus. And so by having the scars in his hands, it was proof that he was the same Christ. He was the same Jesus that they knew before. John saw and believed. But as we saw at the beginning with uh, my illustration of the dogs, we all see things differently. John saw and believed, but Thomas doubted. And others were unsure as well. And Jesus knew this would be the way. Thomas saw but didn't believe it was Jesus. So Jesus invites him to place his finger into his hands, into his nail-pierced hands. That is a powerful picture, isn't it? Just imagine what that was like. By, saying Jesus, by Jesus saying, see my hands, he sends out a powerful message. And as I was reading this and as I was Reflecting upon it, I remembered and was brought to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 and how it links together with Jesus choosing to have the wounds in his hands. Hebrews 4 verse 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. By showing his hands, he is demonstrating that he is able to sympathize with the sufferings that we sometimes go through. Of course, we would never suffer as much as Jesus has suffered, but, but by having those wounds in his hands, he is telling us, see my hands. I know what it is like to suffer. And that causes us to be able to boldly approach his throne of grace. Boldly approach his glorified state. And he will know what we know. He will know how we feel. He has felt how we feel. He's been there and some. Another interesting thought I thought about with hands and the story of Christ's resurrection is um, the significance of his hands connected with Pontius Pilate, who publicly washes his hands. 
Pontius Pilate publicly washes his hands of Jesus because he knew he was innocent. Pilate knew he was innocent and he washes his hands of him. And we think that innocence should not suffer. Yet Jesus' nail-marked hands show us that sometimes innocence does suffer. He stands before the disciples with his arms outstretched and he says, see my hands. See my hands. And he stands before us today saying the same, see my hands. I love you. I want the best for you. I will heal you. I will make you whole. Jesus is the greatest example of victory over hardships. There is hope. It is Jesus. By his hands we see the victory of the cross and his resurrection. What do you see? What do you see? Do you see Jesus' nail-pierced hands? A living testimony of his victory over death. He is standing here before us today, arms wide open, nail-pierced hands outstretched, saying, come to me. Come to me. What do you see? Do you see a God that knows your pain? Do you see a God that, has, that, that can relate to your situation, that can relate to you? Or do you see a God with arms outstretched, signifying his ability to sympathize with you. A God who knows what it is to suffer. A God who is high and above all things, yet knows what it is like to live a life on earth. This is what I want you to see today. Jesus standing before you, who has conquered death, who can sympathize with our situations, Back in John chapter 20, Jesus' final words and my final point this morning are found in verse 29. Jesus' final words are this, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Another beatitude there. Blessed are are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus had to prove to Thomas that he truly was the same person that he knew. And he could see Jesus in front of him. And I've been asking the question today, what do you see? What do you see? Well, Thomas could see Jesus in the flesh, yet he still didn't believe. And the, uh, the empirical argument of the modern-day unbeliever is that they cannot believe in God or they cannot believe in Jesus because they cannot see him. There is no empirical evidence. or In other words, they cannot see him. I cannot see him, so I cannot believe in God. I don't believe there is a God because I can't see him. Jesus' final words are this. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
If you believe, then you are blessed, it says. If you believe, then you are blessed by Jesus because you have believed without seeing him. Faith has caused you to believe. Faith has caused you to believe. I'm sure you know about the three cats. Promise, faith and experience. And they've been out on the town, they've been down the pub, uh, if cats do go down the pub, anyway, they're walking home and uh, they're walking along this very thin wall. Promise is stone cold sober. She has had just drink soft drinks that night. Faith has had a little to drink, experience has had a bit more and is definitely very woozy. And it's a narrow wall. If faith follows promise, then she stays on the wall. If faith, however, turns round and looks at experience, who's wobbling all over the place, she's going to fall off the wall, and so is experience. We are called to look, not for the visible, but to the invisible. We are called to look to the promises of God. More than that, to live by faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the risen Son of God. This is the faith which means that we can be like Habakkuk. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruits be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stores, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. This is the faith which means we can be like Job, having everything stripped away from us, even if it seems our relationship with God. And yet he can say, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. This is the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is one of the most remarkable confessions of faith. They are about to be dropped alive into the furnace and yet they say, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That is the faith. This is the faith which meant that the men and women of faith in the Old Testament who were tortured, mocked, flogged, imprisoned, stoned, executed. Why? Because even though they did not see it in their experience, they put their trust in the promise of God. What do you see? What do you see? Jesus stands before us today with hands outstretched and says, come to me. I love you and I've died for you and for your sins. Worry no more. Come to me and give me your life and I will make you whole. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Do you believe today? What do you see today? Do you see the cross? Do you see the suffering? Do you see Jesus' hands wounded for you? Do you see his love 
Do you see his hope? Do you see the way out? Do you see Jesus? What do you see? What do you see? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this jubilant day. Thank you, Father, that you came to earth and chose to die for every one of us here today. And thank you, Lord, that we can approach you, that we can come to you. And you are standing there with your arms outstretched to us today, with your nail-pierced hands, saying, come to me. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't stay on that cross, but you rose again. You conquered death. And we can say where death is your sting, where, oh, death is your victory, because you have conquered death. And we praise you and we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that as your followers, Lord, we can, we can walk in that power, walk in that strength that you have given us, and we do put our faith in the promises of Scripture, that the same power that raised you from the dead, is alive in us today. Lord, I pray that we will live in that victory. Lord, that we will know that victory and that power in our lives. And may we say today, this day of new birth, of new life, may this day be the day that we commit our life to you that we say to you, yes, I'm sorry for all the things I've done in my life, but I ask you into my life. May this be the day, Lord Jesus, a new day for every one of us, where we confess our sins once again, but say to you, Lord, I recommit my life to you. Use me for your plans and your purposes. Lord, we love you and we exalt you and we glorify your awesome name today. In your awesome name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Delancey Elim Church. For more podcasts, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk.